Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Attract podcast with your host, Anna Rumbold. In this episode, I interview identity and business coach, Robin McNeil, and it's such an eye-opening conversation around the power of identity work and its role in helping us build a business that actually lights us up. So let's dive in. Hi, Robin, and welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to speak with you today about your business and really about shifting your identity to become the leader that you want to be. And we've connected a couple of times and I love everything that you do. So first off, I'd love to hear and dive in a little bit more around your story and what you do for work and in your business today. Yeah, well, thank you first for having me. (laughs) Yeah, my story is kind of an interesting one but you know it's funny every time i tell it i get people who tell me that they have a similar story but it was really an exploration through who i was as a leader in corporate and that's actually where i started my coaching journey was my organization had me go through coach training and i was becoming a leadership and an executive coach within the organization um but through that and and i think anybody who's in the coaching industry can kind of understand this <laughs> you start to work on yourself as you are working on becoming a great coach and leader for others and yeah so when i was doing that i just started to grow as a human to the point where and i i have to be careful about how i tell this story cuz i signed an nda but to a point where i spoke up about things that i thought were inappropriate in the workplace <laughs> if you will, the way that certain managers were treating staff. And I brought it to HR, uh, knowing full well that doing that could be the end of my career with them. But I was at a point where I didn't care. And I think I was actually looking for a way out at that point. And sure enough, I I got a handsome severage package. <laughs> and that was kind of how I started my business. And And really wanting to make sure that through my coaching journey, I was actually able to help the women who were so incredibly intelligent, who were being mistreated, but just help them in a different way. And so when I found the online industry, at first I went through the whole uh, imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs. You've got to be a done-for-you service provider for how many years before you can become a coach. And it took me probably six or seven months before I realized like, no, fuck that. Like I've been coaching longer than most of these people have been an adult. Like (laughs) what am I doing? I should be, you know, I should be coaching. And so, you know, March 16th, 2020 was the launch day for my coaching practice and also the day the world shut down for COVID, which was whole interesting way to start your business. So that was kind of my journey. And then from there, it's just been an exploration of, of what kind of coach I am and how I'm helping people, especially women. I really mainly work with women. I've had very few male clients. And I think through that, what I recognized was that the work that I was doing was really just helping women shift back to their true identity, to, to shed all of the hats and roles that we play through life as daughter and sister and mother and partner, <laughs> coworker, and really just make sure that what we're doing as we grow forward uh, is really focusing on ourselves and our needs and our wants, because often we as women can put those needs behind everybody else's needs. So that's kind of where that all started and how it came 
right smack dab into identity work. And it's really interesting because identity work then plays into running a successful business. So it's both identity and business together, really. Yeah, the correlation's huge, isn't it? I mean, synonymous even. But yeah, it's so interesting to hear about your story. I can really relate as well. My business was um, born in the pandemic and I can absolutely relate as well to the sort of imposter syndrome, you know, the, the, the need to maybe people please in your content. That was certainly something that I did in the earlier days. But yeah, it's so interesting. I find this work fascinating. I can so see that correlation. What do you think the biggest challenges, it's probably quite a big question, but the biggest challenges are when it comes to actually stepping into the identity? I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, on like really thinking about what are the top three challenges? Because I think you're right, there are many. <laughs> uh, and it shifts from person to person. But I, you know, specifically when I'm working with identity, I work quite often with high achievers, high performers, um, people who are very logical, analytical, very educated, whether it's self-educated or went to college, university. But it kind of falls into a few different categories. And one you just named, people-pleasing. I feel like people-pleasing is the number one (laughs) block for most people to really truly be who they are because we can if we step into that role where we're no longer pleasing others and we are focusing on ourselves we can feel selfish or we can be told we're greedy or a bitch or any other awful name when we aren't serving other people and yet we're hurting ourselves every time we do that so yeah people pleasing number one Number two is often the pressure we put on ourselves. And it's a really interesting one. I don't even really like have an actual name for what it is we do, but the amount of times that we will beat ourselves up for not being farther ahead in either business or life or not putting that money aside or making the wrong decision or not showing up on social media every day or whatever the knots are that we're we're shitting on ourselves for we do that worse to ourselves than we have that expectation for anybody else and that often blocks because we're sitting in the past instead of moving forward into the future and when you aren't able to even stay in the now and move forward you're not really working within your identity. You're working within this past person that you are thinking about the person that you should have been now. And I think, well, I was like, we'll go into that, I think maybe later, because I have a whole theory on identity and future self, past self. Anyway, and I would say that the last thing, it's not necessarily that it's a block for everyone, but I think that identity is harder to move into and move through when you are a highly emotionally intelligent person. So I feel that even though the strength of emotional intelligence is so widely wanted, needed, and recognized, it can also prevent somebody from being their true self because they are thinking of relationships and they are being very self-aware and they are recognizing how their actions impact other people. And then again, it kind of circles back around to people pleasing again, all over again. So yeah, I would say those are the kind of the top three areas that I see the most work needed to step into identity. Yeah, yeah, totally. Can definitely see those, some of which I could identify with. But how are you seeing that 
those things are coming up in people's businesses, like the, the extent of the impact that they're having on people's businesses and how how they're operating, uh, the success that they're experiencing? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I mean, with people pleasing, it's often not putting up boundaries, um, but it can also flip the other way and go to the extreme where we feel like we need to put up exceptional boundaries. And I've seen that happen and I've seen that harm the client experience when you are restricting your clients so much that they don't feel that connection, that rapport with you. So that can really be a problem. It also, yeah, on the flip side is a problem when you don't have any boundaries or you're continually pushing your boundaries and allowing people to step on them when they honestly you have no reason for that. So it's it's kind of finding a balance. And that obviously that takes away from our energy, takes away from our time that that we have to spend on us and our business or our families or our hobbies or whatever else that we want to focus our time on. When it comes to, well, I mean, when it comes to the emotionally intelligent piece, I think what happens and is that highly emotionally intelligent people are also very observant people. So when you're an observant business owner and you probably also crave information, you're going to go down the rabbit hole of social media and scrolling and absorbing information from multiple different people and getting different ideas and then having a really tough time trying to figure out what ideas are truly yours and yours to execute. Because I think we can all say that we've had good ideas, but weren't necessarily ours to execute. And that can be a real block in our business, especially if you're getting lots of ideas and you're a multi-passionate and then you are, you're selling this thing and then you want to sell that thing or you want to make this business structure and then it's that business structure and really trying to focus and build. Because if I've learned anything in the five years that I've been here, simplicity is honestly like the best way to build your business. You want to scale your business, keep it so, so, so simple. And you and I, we... We've connected on that before about just just focus, one thing, <laughs> and then slowly bring in those other things. And then that pressure, the pressure that we put on ourselves that that should be farther ahead or I should have done this thing, we're just keeping ourselves in a problem state instead of a solution state. And if we're in that problem state all the time, we're not going to be able to push forward. We're not going to be able to take action. And we're also not going to appreciate when good things happen. Because we're not able to celebrate that. We're not able to say, hey, this is this really worked and I worked hard for this or these actions got me this result. And then not celebrating ourselves, we keep going back to, okay, that was great and all, but I should have done this and I would have got a better result. And that can really play on you and it can exhaust you. Like this is how burnout happens, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really hear all of those points, actually. Interestingly, I can particularly relate in the field that I'm in around the losing the message, the consuming everybody else's message and actually losing your identity, but not just losing your identity, but questioning, as you say, what actually is yours and what's not, because you, you know, you're kind of like consuming this content over and over and over again. I can really relate to that one. And it's interesting, actually, because I was speaking with a guest on the podcast just earlier on this week, and we were talking about how you can sometimes get into that feeling, that desire, that push to overcomplicate things and like you have to be doing more. But actually, 
our audience just wants a repeated message for the thing that we're already good at. The way that we were talking about it was around how, especially as somebody who is like quite high achieving and everything, how they want to like tackle the next thing, master the next thing so that then they can teach on that. But actually that I do find that that's when you start, you know, the overconsumption starts to take over and you can kind of end up in this place where you're complicating your message and, you know, your marketing without even kind of really realizing it when actually that repetition of the same message is probably what your audience is looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even to add to that, I think sometimes we can overestimate our mastery of something too, where we think we've mastered something, but in fact, we're just bored with it. And that's why we move on. But like you said, our audience craves that repetition. I mean, I have people who are very close to me who are like super fans, if you will, of what I do. You know, they're always working with me in different capacities, but I'm, and I shouldn't be, but I'm always still shocked when they're like, oh, I had no idea that you were running a coaching academy or whatever it is, right? They're like, I had no idea. And I was like, what? How did you not know? Um, But it just proves the point that even your most loyal fans are not paying attention to every single thing you do. And that repetition is needed simply for them to see it process it, understand it, and then reach out or reflect or whatever it is that that they're doing for you. The conundrum of an entrepreneur <laughs> and a marketer. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, and I definitely see that a lot. So again, quite a big question, but if you could suggest sort of a couple of things that people who are listening could perhaps work on now to start actually recognizing and stepping into their identity are there a couple of things that you could suggest i do yeah so the really big one is to focus on the now don't live in the past don't live in the future and just going back to what i said earlier the way that i really believe uh our identity works in future and past self is actually in the now it we are our best self already we are our higher self or our most favorite self or whatever verbiage you're putting on that that future success. And I think that that's really hard because I should back up. It feels really hard to connect with our higher self. And I think that there, you know, if we are measuring that, how do you ever know you're your highest self, your most favorite self? I feel like you would get there and you would still look forward ahead at that most favorite self next. Like, what is she doing? I know one client came to me and she kept talking about her 10x self and this future 10x self and and all of the great things that that future 10x self is doing. And my first question to her was like, why are you not your 10x self now? Like, why do you feel that who you are now isn't good enough for the future? And that shifted everything. <laughs> but that's really the big focus. And what I would say is the number one thing you should do is focus on the now and who you are now and appreciating yourself now and knowing that you are your future self. What you have to do next and that step two is to shed all of these um I would say like identity coats that you've been wearing because they're not yours. They're just one that you've put on and you've tried on and you might've kept on for a while. I think it comes with conditioning. It comes with our environment. It comes with who we think we should be, who society thinks we should be, who our family thinks we should be. And it's about really shedding that and say like, who do I want to be? On the inside, like, who am I? What do I value? What do I believe? What is my strength and superpower that I bring to the world? 
and knowing that being our best self now and and liking ourselves and favoriting ourselves and putting ourselves first isn't selfish it isn't greedy and in fact is a ripple effect that is going to it's going to hit every single person in our atmosphere when i work on myself i am a better partner to my husband when i work on myself i'm a better mother to my daughter um, I'm a better daughter to my parents because I'm not engaging or overreacting. I'm a better coach. I'm a better friend. But if I kept putting everybody else first, I'm the worst version of myself. And I've experienced that. So those would be really like, those are the two main things that, that you need to work on an identity is yourself in the now and saying that, you know, my, my future self is me now. And we can't shit on our past self. It's still the same person. We are still the same person inside. We don't need to put that kind of pressure on ourselves. And then trying to shed all of these other identities that we've been wearing and focus on us as hard as that can be. Yeah, I love those. And actually, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It can be hard to do that, can't it? And, and actually, like you're saying, if you've been wearing those coats for a long time, I guess a lot of people you know, I'm guessing people that you work with probably don't really see anymore who they are, you know, what that identity is anymore. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting when you go through this process with clients and they get to that point where they're like, wow, I feel so naked. <laughs> like they actually say those words because that's how they feel. And, and we do that, right? We put on these coats as protection and we don't allow ourselves to take them off because they are comfortable now. But it, it's kind of that process of removing it and getting rid of them and getting out of our comfort zone that actually truly tests who we are. And it gets us, it's almost like it, it, we're reflecting back to us who we are when we get to do those things because we can see ourselves more clearly. Yeah, I love that. I really love actually what you said about it's already you and it's already within you. It's really interesting because I often use that phrase in marketing i often talk about the reason why clients work with you already exists but often you don't always know what those reasons are because it is you it's your talent it's your expertise it's your experience it's your passion and like interestingly i use this uh, quite a lot when we're crafting messaging and that's why that really resonated with me actually because i love the idea that it's already you it's just about how you're addressing it how you're shedding those coats and all of that yeah, exactly. That I, you know, that's amazing. Actually, <laughs> you have that in your messaging because I'm like, wow, like that just makes so much sense. I mean, it also highlights why sometimes it's hard and it's hard for us to do the identity work, which is why I think for a lot of people, they're like, I'm just gonna go and do another strategy because that feels easier than focusing on myself. Because it sometimes it's hard for us to see who we are on the inside and that reflection of why do clients hire me? It's like, oh, I don't know. Like, But the work that you do when you start to focus on your identity makes it much easier for you to verbalize and articulate who you are. And I've noticed that I just ran a 10-day series and we were working on a few different things, but one of them was identity work. And it was really interesting when we did this technique that people were like, oh, I don't know. And they would give like one small, almost almost like the Instagram bio highlight of who they were. And so I shared mine and mine was a list of like 20 things, good and bad, all of the things that 
are good about me, all of the weaknesses that I have, like sometimes I can be petty and sometimes I can overreact to things. And these are parts of myself that I know to be true, but I also know that I can work on those and, and manage that a bit better. Um, but these are all the parts of my identity that just make me who I am. And when I created that long list, all of a sudden I was like, okay, now I was challenging them and they're creating this long list. And it's those deep reflections that really, like you said, are going to then affect your messaging later on. If you can work on your identity work, your messaging becomes so much clearer because all of a sudden you understand your, yourself, you understand why clients hire you, and you can better articulate that, and then you're better articulating your solution for them too. It all works together. Yeah, it really doesn't. Interestingly, I really identify that. I've actually just um, signed up to a coaching certification so that I can really pair that because I see that identity work being so, so important. And I currently look at it from the perspective of getting clear, but equally, I think absolutely the coaching that I'm going to do alongside this is going to really help because like you say, they're just so reliant upon each other. 100% it'll change your business. <laughs> coaching is a brilliant way because I don't think it's really... It's, it's not taught, it's not talked about, but in a way, every coach who is using coaching skills is somewhat of an identity coach. You're, you're coaching that person in front of you for who they are, for what they value, for what their problems are. You don't even need to know anything about what it is they're having problems with, right? If you can use your coaching technique, you can help that person in front of you pull out the answers that are already within them. So it's really cool. We're always doing that as coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Such a good perspective on that, actually. I couldn't agree more. So I'd love to ask a question, actually, that I ask all of my podcast guests. What does building your business on your terms look like for you? It's really, I think it's really just not listening to every person that tells you you should do this or you should do that. I can give an example to almost every business owner of somebody running a business that they desire. But I can also give them an example of somebody who says that that will never work and it's not a good and effective business structure. <laughs> and so it's really about if you want to build the business in the way that you want to build it, go do that because nothing else is going to make you happier than saying, you know what, I only work Tuesday to Thursday, or maybe I like to work Saturdays. I only want to take two clients or I want to take 20, whatever it is, do it your way. If you want to do group coaching because that makes more sense or you want to have a group program and you don't want to do one-to-one, -one, then go do that. If you don't want to do any sort of done-for-you work and you just want to create templates, then go do that and go hard and go all in. But focus on what makes you happy at least 75% of the time. I mean, business is business at the end of the day. We're going to have parts we don't love. But that's the way to build the most authentic business is just following your gut or your intuition or however you make your decisions and allowing yourself to experiment with those until you find the right formula that works for you. Yeah, I love that. And actually, I really like what you said at the end there about finding the formula that works for you. A piece of advice that I consumed fairly recently essentially said, you often can tell when you're, I guess, slightly more mature in business. It might not be the right phrase in this scenario, but essentially it was saying that you start taking everything with a pinch of salt. And I actually really related to that because the only way that you can truly 
build a business on your terms that looks a certain way for you is so personal. So you can sort of take what this person's doing with a pinch of salt. You can take what this coach is telling you to do with a pinch of salt. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's taking what you want and, and what's valuable to you from that experience and making it your own. Oh, that's great advice. I love that. Yeah, it was it was good, actually. It really, it really gets you thinking, doesn't it? Because again, it's the same with like the overconsumption and, and being on social media, reading everything and sort of start questioning it. It's again, if you get to that stage where you can just take everything that you read with a pinch of salt, then you don't just read the next post that says your business is going to crumble and run for the hills and do everything that you can to solve it, you know, <laughs> bit of a dramatic example, but... <laughs> Oh, but those posts are out there. I saw one today, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's almost like the pinch of salt is a filter to put the words that you're hearing through. And I think that that's what we need more of is those filters of what can I take from this that works for me and leaving the rest behind. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And like, does it align with my values? Really asking those questions around it. I like that. Yeah. But we don't do that enough. We just let our subconscious <laughs> absorb too much information. Yeah. And, and actually, from my own experience, it could be difficult to, to, for me, actually, I had to start putting kind of parameters. I had to start doing, you know, reducing my screen time. That was, you know, I literally just had to create a new habit around that. Yeah, it, it takes conscious effort. It really does. And sometimes that doesn't feel fun. <laughs> That's why I haven't really ventured over to TikTok too much for business yet, because I enjoy it for just mindless scrolling that has nothing to do with business. <laughs> so yeah, maybe eventually. We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like TikTok, but um, I, I'm repurposing a lot of my content over there. So I don't actually spend like loads of time on the app. But I know what you mean. If something is one thing to you, it can quickly kind of become clouded by something else, can't it? Yeah, as soon as I would start using it for business, I know the algorithm is going to shift and then I'm going to start. Because I'm I'm definitely an absorber of people's ideas and new things. I love new information. I love new ideas. And it can definitely get in the way of building <laughs> my business, that's for sure. I'm exactly the same. I can totally relate to that. I've, I've always identified with being very much a sponge <laughs> absorbing information yeah but no and i absolutely love this conversation i think identity work as you've highlighted there is huge i think you can't ignore it <laughs> it's absolutely you know if, whether you're in business or not it's huge so if, yeah really enjoyed chatting with you about this yeah thank you i think it's you know no matter what it's all something that we go through I think when you get coaching, you go through it a lot faster, which is kind of nice because I know when we look at our peers who aren't quite in this online space or who haven't done this deep inner work anyway that we all seem to be doing all the time, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's really cool to see how far we've grown and outgrown, I think, some people of our same age group. And that's really cool because we're going to find our identities faster. And the faster we can do that, the more impact we can have on others and the ripple effect will just go across the entire world and eventually hopefully maybe one day everybody at some point sees coaching you know as necessary as they do 
you know, therapy or going to the doctor even or going to the dentist, but it's just a part of our growth. Yeah, and absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will really relate to their own personal growth journey in the time that they've been in business. I certainly can. You know, what you were saying earlier about remembering to celebrate. Sometimes I have to pause for a second and think the, the person, you know, or how I was a few years ago is totally different to how I am now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People are all the time are like, how do you quantum leap? I'm like, you, you've probably already done it. You've quantum leaped like two or three times already because you are growing faster than you would have in any other situation. So there you go. Everybody's quantum leaping. Everybody's working on identity. Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's a really important conversation to have. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on here. And also those valuable, those golden nuggets that you shared, I think are going to be so helpful for anybody listening to actually start thinking about it and shedding the coats. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Robin.